0: I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk, where we take a unique view of world events. We report news as history. With me today is the editor of StrategyPage.com and well-known military author, Jim Dunnigan. Associate editor and syndicated columnist, Austin Bay, also joins us. Welcome, Austin and Jim. Uh, It's only been a month ago since we talked about the North Koreans, but... Gosh, they uh, just seem to be wanting to be front and center in the news. Uh, Murder, mayhem, rocket engines, uh, Rex Tillerson getting upset. (laughs) It's just, uh, it's almost like a soap opera, isn't it, Jim?
1: Yeah, but it's more gorgeous than Days of Our Lives. In fact, you might call this one the last Days of Our Lives, because things aren't looking good for the Kim Dynasty.
0: Uh, so currently, Austin, what what is going on oh, man. In, in their thinking? I mean, it's just wild.
2: Okay, uh, first first of all, I have let's see, since the first of the year, I've written what four columns, I think, about North Korea for a Creator Syndicate. It's because there's been a lot going on. Also, uh, this week I've got a a long 2,600 word analysis out that the uh, the Observer Observer.com has got up, Dan. Uh, so it's a good time to ask me the question uh, it, because I've gone back through files from 1994 plus the, Jim and I were writing about North Korea and in, in the. Uh, in, in the, the 1980s, in the 1980s, sure. Well, I mean, there was a problem then, but uh, when the nuclear program, let me let me start with this: the nuclear program, we're aware of it. At some point, we're aware of it, the late 1980s, early 1990s, which leads to the so-called 1994 agreed framework that the Clinton administration. Um, offered and, with some prestidigitation, uh, claimed that North Korea had agreed to. North Korea said, yeah, they were agreeing to it. Uh, It it had a little soft power diplomacy to it. We were going to give them heavy fuel oil, technical assistance. And if they behaved, we'd help them acquire, uh, in the next decade, in other words, uh, 2002, 2003, uh, light water reactors for electrical generation, nuclear reactors, but they, they aren't—they aren't the type that uh, it's—that are going to be producing uh, plutonium for uh, for uh, warheads. We told them we'd do that, but they had to stop their nuclear program, and we specifically told them uh, stop producing weapons-grade uranium. And North Korea said okay, uh, signed off on it. A lot of uh, a lot of people had had doubts about it, but there was it might work. That's also the year '94 that Kim Il Sung, the fellow who started the Korean War in 1950, and by the way, the Korean War isn't over, Dan. That's something that a lot of people are don't pay attention to. We've got we've still got an armistice. It's not it's not over, and the North Koreans certainly don't treat it as if it's over. So Kim Il Sung died in, and that's when Kim Jong Il, uh, uh, Kim Jong Il, his uh, son, the the guy who loves movies and like likes to kidnap uh, movie stars, uh, is uh, becomes the um, potentate there in Pyongyang. Toddle forward a little bit. 2002, the Bush administration actually we started getting indications that the North Koreans were violating the uh, nuclear agreement in the late 90s. But by 2002, the Bush administration con- confronts North Korea because they have an illicit uh, uranium-producing, uh, uh, plutonium-producing uh, 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 program. In the interim, all was not quiet on the ballistic missile front because in the late uh, 90s, 1998, they, they, North Korea tested some extended range SCUD-type intermediate-range ballistic missiles. Uh, it led to a re-evaluation of their uh, missile program, and there were uh, many people on the so-called Team B that did the reanalysis analysis that they were convinced these, these guys are going for ICBMs. So I brought us up to two, 2002. We know that in 2006 they had their first little nuclear test. It was called the nuclear Physi- fizzle Uh, It rated about, ultimately, uh, seven-tenths of a kiloton, but it was just a test. Well, it had other tests since, and then I'm skipping over (laughs) the—I shouldn't do it, but I'm going to skip over a number of outright provocations that North uh, Korea—murderous attacks that North Korea conducted— uh, in uh, in the last uh, last decade and then in 2010 the worst was uh, sinking the Chonon the Corvette uh, North Korean uh, torpedo sunk that uh, South Korean warship uh, but 2011 they start North Korea starts a very aggressive missile testing uh, program and, and you can go a, a look on the web you can see they've had since over 30 I think it's actually up to right now thirty five maybe thirty four depending uh, uh, different uh, ballistic missile uh, missile tests that 's not just missiles sometimes these will be pulses uh, where they'll have uh, a volley of uh, you know uh, two or more uh, missiles for instance the most recent one they've fired uh, no, the most recent one failed, but the one before that they fired a volley of of of, of four missiles uh, that Program has paid off. Unfortunately, they have demonstrated extended range, and what that means, Dan, is that they, uh, well, they could always threaten parts of Alaska, at least the you know the Aleutians and and, and the like. But now they're Haw- 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 Hawaii's within range. that can uh, threaten a strike on Guam. There's some analysts, uh, respected ones, that say, Hey, wait a minute, they got the Pacific Northwest and and maybe the California coast uh, in range. Uh, Kim uh, Jong Un, the current dynast in power, uh, I think it was in his January 1st uh, speech, said, we will soon have missiles that can you know, reach um, farther targets, continental targets, i meant the U.S., uh, ICBMs. Well, that's what we noticed. Um, we've seen this. I said you were, they were demonstrating increasing range. There was a shot in August of 2016, a missile launch that uh, it was a thousand kilometer uh flight flight path uh, that's that one also not only uh demonstrating extended range that one definitely landed in japan's it landed in the sea but within japan's exclusive economic zone so it it was uh, uh, a an affront to Japanese sovereignty uh, it was a threat to Japanese sovereignty, as as, as, what, it, uh, as what it was. They have, may have had splashdowns uh, in Japan's EEZ before, but this time the telemetry has had it absolutely uh, solid as to where it hit, and uh, it was uh, well inside the uh, EEZ. So had a little political edge there. Uh, threat to Japan, increasing range. We know in 2013 too. <laughs> North Korea showed uh, a targeting board with a lot of ballistic missile tracks that showed up on some of their propaganda. And then there was a track that went to Washington, D.C., and there was a track to, that went to Austin, Texas. Why? There were a lot of uh, – Strategy Page got that one right. I, I wanted to point out as to why they had targeted uh, – Austin. There's a lot of uh, mistaken analysis uh, elsewhere, but Austin is where Samsung has its uh, a, a Western Hemisphere's uh, production and manufacturing plant and also its cheap research facility. And, and the North Koreans are terribly, terribly jealous of South Korea's extraordinary uh, uh, successes. So that's what put that on the uh, target track. There was another little political uh, nudge uh, nudge there, uh, that also was a, a threat to the United States. And as you acquire extended-range missiles and move to ICBMs, then you bring those, uh, uh, Austin and Washington, into, uh, into target range. Uh, okay. Now, I said, when I started off, I said that I'd done four columns on North Korea's threat. Since really the first of the first of the year, something really started. Uh, the soap opera, as Jim calls it, the de- last days of our lives. S- something really seemed to start last August, August twenty sixteen. Uh, whether it's uh, increasing paranoia, you know, it's hard to get more paranoid than the Kim dynasty is, and and already is in Pyongyang, and has been for decades. Uh, but there were aggressive actions. Uh, the s- suspicion after January 13th, I mean, excuse me, February 13th, is that uh, Kim Jong-un uh, fears uh, for his life uh, within, and it's within his own regime. On well, February 13th, he had his half-brother, Kim jong Nam, uh, assassinated. Uh, I wrote a column about that. Uh, that's, uh, that's big news. Kim Jong Nam maintained his loyalty to his his younger brother, uh, the potentate, uh, but he also had a lot of friends in China, and it was known that he had been approached by North Korean exiles to form a government in exile. He had refused. Uh, Kim Jong Un had brother Nam assassinated in public in Malaysia, and. From all the evidence that Malaysian authorities and some of their uh, consultants and investigators, because they've had other uh, advice from other interested parties doing the uh, uh, investigation, he was assassinated by spraying nerve agent VX in his face. Uh, VX is liquid persistent nerve. Uh, large amounts. It's a weapon of mass destruction. It's uh, a weapon of instantaneous destruction if even a droplet gets on you, and apparently the assassins just put it in his his face. Some of this was caught on a closed-circuit television camera in the Kuala Lumpur uh, International Airport. Killed his brother. Uh, The rhetorical belligerence has increased. Threats to the United States not just to the United States, but Japan, South Korea, definitely. And then ooh, about 10 days ago, that four missile pulse after it was fired, um, North Korea announced that it was a practice exercise, a military exercise for a strike on American bases in Japan. And they. Fired and have three of, by the way, three of the uh, missiles landed in Japan's EEZ in that uh, particular volley, or missile pulses, that's uh, sometimes uh, uh, called. So, uh, is it last days of our lives? That's uh, I'll tell you that there's a a lot of fear uh, and loathing in Pyongyang, uh, and it's uh, Pyongyang has. Uh, gotten more dangerous. They claim they've tested a nuclear warhead. That was in September of last year. Uh, uh, we don't quite know whether they have a warhead or not, but now they definitely have nukes. Uh, they're getting yields uh, in, on some of their nuclear tests of somewhere between 20 and 30 kilotons. Now, that's uh, a little larger to twice the size of a Hiroshima bomb. It's a good-sized weapon. It can do a lot to Tokyo. Uh it can do a lot to Honolulu. Uh, they're a serious threat, a uh, very serious threat. And the, the Trump administration has recognized that. Uh, we had a major change in American policy announced rather subtly on March uh, 17th when it was in Korea, Secretary of State Tillerson, after visiting the demilitarized zone, comes back and he says, look, the policy of strategic patience is over. And that's the way the Obama administration uh, expressed what had been wait and see. More or less, the Clinton administration, and to some degree the Bush administration, too, had gone with wait and see. And wait and see, you would offer them uh, incentives to uh, cooperate, but then sanction them, tough political and economic sanctions, if, uh, if they misbehaved, uh, South Korea had pursued, uh, had pursued that. But then, like I say, after about 2010, you can <clears throat> see uh, the real change in the way the uh, North Korean regime is, uh, is increased belligerence. 2011, the uh, uh, a, 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 uh, what is really a rapid ballistic missile uh, uh, testing uh, program, improving nuclear warheads. Uh, wait and see. Strategic patience. Sanctions did not stop the North Korean nuclear program. Hasn't slowed down its ballistic missile program. Uh, they demonstrated in February on February 12th. Uh, um, actually, I think Jim and I talked about the uh, Polaris 2 the Song two, which is a solid fuel, uh, highly mobile missile that can be launched from a, a, a submarine. That's a, a really uh, potent it looks like a very potent uh, uh, system. So strategic patience is over. What's replacing it? Uh, there was always another option other than wait and see and just and, and economic sanctions, and that was uh, a preemptive strike. A uh, preemptive strike to knock out North Korean. Uh, nuclear weapons uh, testing and development uh, sites, ballistic missile development sites, launch pads and the like, Uh, extremely risky. The reason that it wasn't done even uh, 25 years ago was that uh, you don't want to uh, re-escalate the frozen Korean War. There's just uh, too much risk for the entire region and and the entire world. But North Korea, in the last days of perhaps its life, uh, uh, has raised the stakes. And why it has raised the stakes is because it has acquired the capabilities. Jim, did I miss anything?
1: Well, one thing that is uh, important to uh, note is that with all this rhetoric from North Korea, uh, it has had uh, an interesting change. To the South Korean attitude towards war with North Korea, uh, over the, especially since, uh, you know, 2010. Chonin, uh, the Chonan sinking. Well, not just, not just that. That was the trigger, but it made the, uh, made the South Koreans, you know, do a, a reassessment, as it were, of the relative strength. And they're intelligence people. I mean, they now have something like 30,000 North Koreans who've gotten to, uh, uh, South Korea. I think 20,000 or so of them are, are still in South Korea. And they interview these people. Uh, if only they you know, weed out the occasional spy they'll find trying to sneak in. And uh, they get a lot of fairly capable people. In other words, you need a fair bit of money to get out of uh, North Korea, across a lot of bribes, planning, et cetera. And, uh, and then it will be even more money to avoid the... <laughs> The Chinese police always put their hands out and, um, and then get down to uh, Thailand, which is the favorite destination where the South Korean embassy is equipped to handle as many <laughs> North Koreans who care to make it there. And they'll, they'll, put, they'll screen you and get you to South Korea. Um, anyway, these, these debriefs, as it were, uh, you put them on a, on a chart, as it were, and you see the, the capabilities of the military are going down, down, down. Now, this is not surprise. We've been, you know, uh, reporting on this for, you know, two decades now. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, North Korea got cut off from its, uh, its cash and, uh, cheap equipment pipeline for Russia in 1991. And, uh, I had, uh, I have, uh, you know, uh, people I know who've served over there in the 90s. And, uh, they report that even then, by the late 90s, you could tell that the North Korean troops at the, uh, at Pyongyang, you know, the, the DMZ, the, uh, the peace village, as it's called, but negotiations sometimes still take place, um, you could tell they were different. And, uh, and if you, if, and if you got, if you, if you had access to the photos of the, the North Koreans, you know, who were supposed to be out of view, as it were, uh, you needed some fairly high-quality optics <laughs> to to spot these and to uh, photograph them. You can see they were more threadbare. Now, these are soldiers we're talking about. Um, and since then, it's only gotten worse. And indeed, it's gotten to the point now where they're having serious problems with the uh, morale and reliability of the secret police. Now, the secret police... Uh, the the Ministry of State Security. These are the elite of the elite, the KGB, as it were. In Korea, it's not a matter of who guards the guards, who guards the guards, who guard the guards, who guard the guards. So, you know, at the peak of this pyramid, uh, you have the secret police who have a separate unit that, you know, protects, you know, Kim's person, as it were, Kim Jong-un. And, um, they have been undergoing purges. Uh, in, th- in fact, we just read a piece today in the your Page of a real tragic soap opera uh, account of a uh, of a, uh, a North Korean guy and his sister. This fellow had gotten into the university program for the uh, for, for counterintelligence and espionage, and what this means was he was headed for an elite unit that uh, inter- that basically infiltrated South Korea. Now they've cut back on those infiltrations because it's become a lot more difficult to you know pull it off but they are there there's are several thousand of them and this guy was expelled from the program when they been someone in the uh, doing back additional background checks again this is part of the paranoia with double checking the the uh, the uh, loyalty of the, uh, the 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 the, uh, the highest level of uh, secret police uh they found out that he had distant relatives, distant family in South Korea, and that boom, you know, that immediately made him suspicious. Now, he—it's unknown if he even knew that he had distant kin in in the South Korea. In fact, he may not not know because apparently they didn't tell him why he was expelled. He said you're gone. He knew it was it was getting, you know, bad up there, and he thought he had it made because once you're in that program, you're in the upper middle class. You know, granted, you may in that job be asked to go off to, on a suicide mission in, in South Korea, but that doesn't happen that often. And compared to just a, you know, a, a lower, low, lower lifestyle, lower quality uh, of life in North Korea, uh, it's a risk worth taking. Um, so he decided uh, to escape. Now, he had undergone years of physical and psychological and tactical training on how to evade detection in a foreign country, namely South Korea, what China would do. And he figured, hey, by himself, he could make it out. But he had a younger sister, and apparently the parents were gone. And he realized if he left her behind, she was dead, either quickly, you know, by public execution, or slowly by being sent to a labor camp to starve or be beaten to death over a period of years. So he convinced his sister, the head of Best Bet, for both of them was to try and escape. Well, he didn't count on the the secret police in two countries going ballistic when they found he was missing. Got into uh, northeast China, and uh, the the North Korean secret police immediately made up the um, posters in Chinese and Korean because there's there's millions of ethnic uh, Koreans in, in China, Chinese citizens, um, uh, with his picture and describing him as a dangerous, you know, highly trained criminal, et cetera, et cetera. And um, they also uh, put a code word in there for those in the know, especially in the Chinese police, that a large reward would be slipped into your pocket if you brought this guy back dead or alive. Well, needless to say, in short order, he was picked up. The doctor was so urgent that the Chinese allowed a special team of uh uh, South Korea, uh, North Korean hunters, you know, secret police who are trained to, to hunt down, um, uh, traitors, as it were, defectors in foreign countries, especially, uh, China. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was quickly, he and his sister are quickly caught and, uh, and immediately shipped back, uh, to North Korea to a, a gruesome fate. Now, that is the stuff of soap operas, but it's tragic. And that just goes to show you how bad it is. I mean, there are other reports of senior officials in this, in the uh, secret police being executed. Uh, the head of the, uh, the, state, the, the top line secret police was relieved of his, uh, his job recently. He's apparently still alive, but he was being punished for what his subordinates have been not doing. And I think the charge was they were not telling Kim Jong Un everything. <laughs> and that was the case. You did not want to be the bear. Bad news, and there's nothing but bad news. So I don't know what you know uh, what Junior you know has in terms of anger control issues, um, but things are not looking good now. Further down in the in you know the the 85 percent of the military that is not you know special operations or what have you, things are grim. I mean it's it's a growing problem with soldiers in uniform committing crimes, breaking into farmhouses uh Going into fields at night when the crops are ready to be harvested and doing a little harvesting of their own um, and uh, then they've caught you know commanders of these troops uh basically escaping uh um, punishment by sharing it with their their sergeant and their lieutenant, whatever the case may be um naturally, these guys have no gas for if they have a vehicle to train with their vehicles. Uh, they have no ammunition, so they're, they're – tar- even the sniper brigade apparently is getting getting very few bullets, as it were, to practice their, their marksmanship. Um, they don't get enough fuel in the wintertime. There's complaints. I mean, they, uh, they've they been caught, you know, burglarizing farms for things to, to burn, to keep warm. So the situation is not good. So this explains, as far as South Koreans can, can see – why there's been so many missile firings and threats because Kim has got to get some relief. Now, what he's asking for is a lot of free stuff to stop his regime from just tumbling. And the conundrum here, as, as, as Austin pointed out, that nobody really wants the North Korean regime to collapse, either China or South Korea, because China would be the one they've told everybody dibs. And that has yet to be resolved. And they would basically have to adopt North Korea, which they don't want to do. Uh, they know that the Koreans uh, resent being occupied by a foreign power. You know, the, the Koreans in general are still ticked off the Japanese for what happened in the first 40 years of the uh, 20th century. Uh, and um, the Chinese would be no more welcome than the Japanese were. Uh, the South Koreans... They can't come out and say this, although some people on the Internet will. uh, They don't want to take over because they did the math after uh, uh, East East Germany West Germany merged, what it cost West Germany. And it's going to cost several times what it cost Germany, West Germany or Germany in general, to pay for the integration of East Germany. And it's basically going to make a noticeable dent in the standard of living. Uh, the South Koreans, and they've only just gotten used to it. You're only, you're only in, your, in your second generation out of poverty. I was there in the 60s, 50 years ago when I was in the army, and it was dirt poor, and since then, it's basically gone up into the top ten in the world of uh, you know standard of living. Um, and a lot of them don't want to admit it, but they don't want to lose that. So nobody wants it to collapse, but nobody can stop it. So what are you going to do?
2: Uh, let me uh, let me pick up on something J- uh, Jim just said, uh, Dan. Uh, South Korea has won the Korean War, even though the Korean War isn't over. It's won it at least economically, culturally, uh, socially. I-, I would even say, in comparative uh, conventional military strength, South Korea and the Rock Army, Republic of Korea Army, is an uh, outstanding force. Uh, uh and they are even you know, they're continuing to modernize they're, they're not stuck in uh in what 1960 I guess is what the, many of the North Korean forces not their missile troops but their their uh, ground uh, ground forces uh, are uh, operating with vintage weapons uh it's it's vibrant place i I spent some time there uh what 4 years ago it's uh, it's wealthy and that just drives the, the North Korean regime crazy. Uh they their South Korea's wealth uh shames them. And well they should be ashamed. It's the reason that when I said that you know, Samsung's uh, North uh, uh, American operation, chief North American operations on their target list. It's uh that's you all, you can't shame us essentially is what the Kim dynasty says to South Korea. Of course, Uh, South Korea pays no attention to that. Certainly we can. You all are are dictators. You don't know how to run an economy and uh, you specialize in in murder, uh, theft, and extortion. Um, It's not a good recipe, Dan, for uh, maintaining the peace uh, uh, anyway. And even though, as Jim points out quite correctly, uh, China really doesn't want the North Korean regime to fall. South Korea, it, 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 East Germany was in the best shape of all the Eastern European communist satellites, and so look how long it took West Germany, Germany, to resurrect it economically. Uh, North Korea is the pits, and as Jim said, South Korea does not want to pay the economic and social price of, of for paying for uh, communism. The South Korean people say we already paid for communism when they invaded us and and tore everything up in the 1950s. Uh, We've had to pay for it with uh, defense budgets and uh, maintaining ready uh, military forces. We're not going to pay to fix it, or we don't want to. I will say they have a reunification fund, which South Korea does, that they began putting money in I think they had some for it, but officially, at the end of 2010, they start putting money uh, into this fund so that they'll have a couple of trillion, maybe you know, when North Korea finally uh, implodes. But they want it to implode without a nuclear explosion. It's a kind of mixed metaphors there, but you get what I'm uh, you get what I'm saying. Uh, the time's approaching though, and it's Jim. The, the picture that Jim painted is, hey. If things are bad inside the regime, Kim Jong-un needs something. What is it he needs? Well, what he's going to get, because uh, he's, he, he's dealing with a, a different kind of uh, political situation in Japan, in Tokyo and Washington right now. Probably South Korea is online. We'll have to see who the new South Korean president is on this. But the Japanese are fed up with it. We're fed up with it. And uh, the uh, U.S. alone but <laughs> has the uh, uh, capacity to carry out what I said that other option was, which was uh, a preempt- preemptive strike. Uh, there is a problem, as Jim is well aware of, we've actually talked about this before. Uh, the, the northern suburbs of Seoul are within uh, tube artillery and uh, barrage rocket range of uh, North Korean of North Korea, and North Korea still has a lot of those uh, weapon systems uh, forward deployed and in hardened hardened positions uh, all, on the northern side of the demilitarized zone. So, uh, and and Seoul is a trillion dollar contributor, multi trillion to uh, the global GDP. Uh, a preemptive strike might might uh, lead to a a North Korean uh, uh, counter-attack that, that deals with severe economic and, in terms of human casualties, uh, damage to uh, South Korea. But there might be other ways of suppressing that. What I've just sketched though is uh, an escalation, and uh, that's not what anybody wants. Uh, Secretary of State Tillerson, in, in an interview the day after he made a statement about that strategic patience is over, uh, said uh, what U.S. policy really hasn't changed. We want a denuclearized uh, Korean peninsula. And uh, but uh, the, the thing is, is that what are you going to do as North Korea acquires these weapons and acts with uh, increasing uh, Increasing belligerence and aggression. There's some point where the risk of uh, long-range ballistic missiles and nuclear warheads in the hands of such a regime is an unacceptable risk. It's actually a very thoughtful interview, I, and I, I quoted it in this long uh, analysis I wrote for The Observer. So,
0: Jim, where do you think we're headed with uh, all of this? I mean. Are are we going to end up in some sort of military conflict
1: with the North Koreans? I doubt it. Uh, Kim would be committing suicide. I think he's he's not that stupid. I mean, you know, he's young, he's the youngest leader they've ever had, um, and uh, he's been exposed. You know, he spent time in the West. Uh, he was educated in Switzerland, so he he knows the enemy better than his grandfather, the founder uh, did. And, uh, you know, he apparently thinks he's playing us, you know, he's he's basically playing a weekend and he's making the most of it. And if he, if he doesn't get what he wants, he'll get what he can take. In other words, he is basically fighting for his life because unless he can make enough money, unless he can garner enough wealth to placate, the elite, you know, the, the top 5% that basically keep the other 95% in line. Uh, he's a dead man. I mean, that's what happened to Ceausescu in the 1989 in Romania. He was sort of a European version of the Kims, uh, of Kim jong you know, last were, Kim Jong-un. And the minute... You know, uh, the the wall came down in Berlin, 1989, and all the surrounding communist, you know, satellites of, of the Soviet Union collapsed. Governments collapsed. Um, that the, you know, the, his 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 how should I put it? His Praetorian Guard, you know, his regime his regime maintenance organizations, the secret police, and and a few other uh, paramilitary organizations, they shot him. Uh, they took over. Um, because they knew that if they allowed a, a, a general uprising, which was also happening, uh, to take out the Tchaikovsky, they were dead. But if they made themselves, they could be heroes. If they, and they, they filmed this, (laughs) you know, this revolution was live on television and, uh, and it was broadcast. Uh, and indeed it did. It did. It saved their butts collectively. And, uh, and, and Kim, and the North Korean, you know, senior people in particular, they study what happened in 1989 very carefully. Uh, now, they don't mention it too much, but the senior officials who been now defecting, some of them uh, very senior people, uh say, yes, that was studied very carefully. And uh, everybody, not just Kim, but his senior people they are. They always refer to that obliquely. You know, they don't put anything in writing or anything like that. Just everybody's aware that we we have to keep the the boat, you know, uh, steady. Uh, because if we're swamped, we all go down with it. And so he's playing a very. He's basically playing for his life. I, I got no sympathy for the guy, or never let anybody have any sympathy for Francesco and his wife. Oh, his wife was a real piece of work, but that's another story. They're dead. And um, and Kim doesn't want to join them. Now, and again, you have the situation where there's nobody really wants that, wants North Korea. Now, the North Koreans, this is one thing the North Koreans realize when they get to South Korea. I mean, the official line is, we want to help our brothers up north. But all I got to do is hang out at the saloon or whatever, you know, where, where, you know, uh, everybody has a few drinks and you hear the truth. <laughs> and... The truth is ugly, and that's then that basically sums up the Korean situation in a nutshell.
0: Well, I guess uh, we'll just uh, tune in next month to see how the world turns on this. <laughs>
1: yes, it's, uh, a slow mo- uh, it's, it's a slow motion car wreck. Right. But so I'm sure
0: uh, with with the way things have been popping over there, I'm sure it's going to remain in the news, and it's going to be interesting to see how everyone reacts. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about it again. So uh, we'll see both of you uh, next time. All right. Take care. Bye. All right. Bye.